Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that is a quote from Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. And welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I am still Lucy Dumas. And I want to remind you, I've been announcing uh, all month my Your Best Year Yet marketing mastermind group. I'm super excited. I'm getting people enrolled and there's limited space. So I'd love for you to be a part of it. Just go to lucydumascoaching.com com slash mastermind and you'll see a lot of more in nice grammar there a lot more info about it there's a button to click to schedule a chat or if you just want to get in touch with me with an email or facebook message because getting it on the calendar is a little too much too soon you can do that too we'd love to have you there and i tell you getting together with a group of like-minded people and just the commitment to be on the calls twice a month and listen to the recordings starts to ship things in a big, big way. So be there, be square. <laughs> Probably don't even know the reference to that. But anywho, so I am so excited to talk to Tavis and Amy Guild, and they are business designers and award-winning portrait artists. They're based in Yakima, Washington. Their fun, vibrant style gives them the opportunity to photograph. They've done over a thousand weddings and sessions in the past 12 years all over the world. So not just in Yakima. They are passionate about wall portraits and also helping business owners. That has been a natural extension of their work to get into that area. They also coach and teach entrepreneurs and photographers and little shameless plug for an amazing, amazing business. They're the owners of Guild Canvas. A lot of people have heard of them. It's an exclusive canvas company that specializes in handcrafted wall art for professional photographers. So welcome friends, Amy and Tavis. Hello, hello. Hi. Hi, hi. Um, whew, that was that was a mouthful. So how are things in Yakima? <laughs> oh, they, it's sunny out. We had a little bit of a heat wave coming through and uh, just uh, spent a lot of time with the family, doing business building things, all mm -hmm. that good stuff. Summer portraits, yeah. 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 Do you get blackberries this time of year or Marion berries? Mm, yeah, blueberries, I think too. Yeah. yeah. We picked yeah. blackberries a couple of months ago in Yakima, so... Yeah, uh, I think some coined us as the, the fruit bowl of Washington. So I think. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. Well, when I visited uh, you and all the Ken Whitmire uh, groupies, um, mm -hmm. the cherries in, I think it was June, the cherries are, oh. are oh, amazing. I love those cherries. So just to let you all know, darling listeners, Tavis and Amy are part of the community that Ken Whitmire formed uh, teaching wall portrait sales. And that's how we met many years ago when Ken was still here. And um, Tavis and Amy, it seems like the last couple months, I've had a lot of people that have been part of the Ken Whitmire community. So um, I like that we're keeping his legacy alive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
So since I've started this conversation, how did Guild Canvas start? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's, uh, let's see here. Well, you know, the the Canvas or that company was founded, of course, by Ken Ken Whitmire, since we were just talking about uh, him. And um, he founded, I think, over 50 years ago. And it was known actually for a very long time as Canvas Mount. And uh, he had uh, brought brought along his uh, his son to do that, who has uh, really you know developed uh, that process even further past uh, Gordon McDonald. If you're a canvassing buff, uh, that's kind of who developed this method. So Ken mm. learned it from Gordon, and then Ken uh, you know then passed that on to Ward Whitmire, um, who is now just just literally I mean just the best. I have no shame in just saying he is at the very top of the game and um, just doing a fantastic job with that. And so um, when Ken passed away, uh, we uh, had the opportunity to um, to take on you know that craft and uh, and and bring along the artists with it. You know our our painter artist Jeff along with with Ward and uh, and then we actually first named it Whitmire Canvas because mm-hmm. um, even though it was called Canvas Mount, everyone knew it as as Whitmire Canvas because uh, of Ken, of course, and Ward. And um, and then uh, after after a little bit of time passed, we decided to go ahead and, and switch a guild cam. That is the long, medium version of... <laughs> of how Guild Canvas came about. Yeah. Well, you have such a great last name to name a canvas company. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, what perfect. is it? A group of artists in it like that? Yeah. yeah. So exactly. we're just, you're the Guild. We'll take it. I love it. <laughs> so there's very few labs in the country that are still doing dripped canvas. And most people think of canvas, as I mentioned, as what's actually a, dig- a digital inkjet print onto a material that's not real natural fiber canvas. Why do you think that the labs are, are discontinued you in the process? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and so to start, uh, you know, with that, we would have to look at the two different methods that you you mentioned. So uh, digital printed canvas or jiclet, and then you have a strip bonded method of canvassing, right? So we, mm-hmm. we have those two things. Um, and so the, the digital canvassing method is, of course, going to be a printer of some sort printing onto a, a canvas uh, material. Uh, and oftentimes those are, you know, real canvas and stuff. And in other instances it's it's a faux uh, material blended in with um, canvas uh, texture pressed into it um, and uh, from a lab's perspective you know it's, it, it is quite a bit faster uh, consistency is um, is definitely easy to keep up on so as volume increases and, and whatnot um, they're able to grow and scale that uh, I'd imagine a little easier than a strip bonded method um, I can't really speak to um, you know individuals that are maybe no longer offering the strip bonded method. What, what I can speak to is it's just the, that method. I compare it more with a furniture company. Um, you know, when you're doing the strip bonded method, it's like building a custom couch, um, mm. you know, from the, from the stretcher bars to the fabric, to the stuffing, to, you know, each part. Um, and, um, you know, it's not, there's no assembly line. There's no belts, you know, taking one thing from one room to another. It's all, a, it's a very hands-on uh, product. And so depending upon how, you know, a company would want to scale and grow, um, that particular product may not um, fit fit well for them. Right, right. Um, Thank you. Just what I wanted people to understand a little bit more. um, And I've seen the process in person of the care that that Ward does step by step. Um, But like I kind of mentioned on the side, uh, I 
I want this to be a plug for stripped canvas, whether you try out uh, Amy and Tavis's work or the, the handful of other labs that are still doing it. It is a beautiful product, I'm sure you agree, that you can charge more for and that really sets you apart from uh, mm -hmm. other photographers that aren't offering this. I guess mm -hmm. I could have said, hey, why do you think people should carry it? But I just, uh, I just answered my own question. Is there any yeah. other reason besides what I just, what I just mentioned about why offering the stripped is a great idea? Um, you know, it, it's, it's funny because um, I actually, there, there's some uh, artists out there that I respect uh, immensely that, that actually use a, a gicle or a digitally printed uh, canvas and they do some embellishments and stuff on it. And um, they're incredibly passionate about it. And I think that passion spills over into what, you know, they're doing for their clients. And then also, you know, when it comes to strip bonded, it's, it's really easy as a, as a photographer, a photographer and an artist to be passionate about that process because it's so hands-on. I call it the art sandwich. You know, it's mm. what we do as photographers being mounted onto, you know, what master craftsmen are putting together. Um, and so our clients um, are always attracted to what we're passionate about. If they respect, if they respect us and they follow us and all that stuff, right. They're going to listen to, you know, when we're talking about canvas on the wall and we're touching it and smacking it or whatever we're doing with it. Right. Um, they are going to be like, man, this guy, I loves this canvas. He mm. and, it, and it causes interest and desire. And um, and so I, you know, our or the strip bonded method is just easy to, for that passion to just follow in because there's so many um, hands-on steps to it. Uh, but uh, in terms of long, longevity and stuff like that, um, you know, I mean, I haven't taken ours under a microscope, and so um, they're pretty. I mean, if you were to look at the science behind it. Uh, you know, in terms of how long they last, if you take care of them, they would probably still be in the same ballpark. Um, now, with the exception of when you're in like coastal cities and stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, you know, a strip bonded canvas is not going to loosen up anything like, you know, what a, a thinner canvas or, or an inkjet canvas right. uh, could loosen up to just because humidities are changing and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And so, just thinking of our clients' home and surrounding um, and picking something that's that's going to be a good fit for your client, but more importantly, choosing a product that you can be passionate about. Right. So if you love metal, if you love acrylic, if you love, like I love a framed print rather than a uh, gallery wrap, I feel like, yeah. and not matte, not glass, just a beautiful thick frame that um, that enhances the portrait and feels, to me, like more of an investment and something that never goes out of style. And because I'm passionate about that, um, and I, I love all kinds of frames. One of my big passions is the handmade, hand-built frame, where just like with the canvassing, it's an artisan that, that cuts the wood, joins it, puts the details, puts the guild, puts the gilding, puts the little mm -hmm. tones on it um, that, that over time becomes more beautiful with age. The other thing I heard you say about longevity, um, I think some people don't know that with the inkjet canvassing, there's a big difference in quality as well. And the really cheap ones have, I don't know what they call it, but something brighteners and those can fade mm -hmm. over time. I've had some, you know, cheap and cheerful canvases. I bought just a family, you know, not just because it's my family, but some fun, simple things that I just wanted in my house. Um, I have a couple of art pieces in my vacation rental above my garage in San Diego, which 
here's a shameless plug. If you're coming to San Diego, <laughs> I have the best little one bedroom granny flat. Anyway, those are fading mm -hmm. and they were, you know, they were cheap and cheerful. So even with the, um, the inkjet slash clay, uh, going with professional labs, as opposed to, you know, Costco or some of the other cheap, cheapy ones, I imagine you would agree. Um, there's a huge difference in quality and longevity with those as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you go from, I mean, just in the inkjet world, you go from one ink brand to another ink brand, the pigment's going to be different. There's different ratings. Like you said, when you're adding, you know, some of the brighteners and different things uh, that plays a, a huge role. And then also just the surface prep itself. And so the canvas like material that they chose, or in your example, the paper type that, you know, was chosen plays a big role. If you go to, uh, so the, we use a, a Kodak Endura paper, and um, that paper is rated at, um, I think it's 150 years, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in mixed light condition. And then 300 years, like if you put it in a closet or something, you know, and it has no uh, interference. And so that's with, without any development on the paper itself. Um, there's no additional acrylics. There's no glass. You know, that's just, they okay. rate their paper that way. So I think knowing what you're getting is, is truly important. Right. So because just now I was talking about inkjet, quote unquote, canvases, <laughs> there's not the paper choices on that. It's right. It's just trusting that the lab is using quality materials that they're printing on and quality inks and so forth. Um, well, you'll have, uh, there's lots of canvas manufacturers that are designed to be printed on that can run through a printer. And so it's how they've prepped that surface. Mm. Um, so oftentimes they're not printing right onto a raw canvas. They're spraying, um, you know, things that the ink are going to adhere to that are, that are, you know, basically similar to the paper types. Right. Ah, and, um, and so that, so it does matter the, the quality of the canvas that they're, that they're using. Um, luckily, there's not too many distributors <laughs> in that realm. And so I'd say any main lab, especially, you know, in our industry, uh, that, that's a professional photographer's lab, they're going to be using good stuff. I, right. I wouldn't lose over that. And then and the other part of that is, is, is they're using very nice calibrated, uh, you know, printers, and that, that plays a big role. And so um, use specifically, you know, correlated with consumer grade stuff, something you could maybe drive down the road at, and get from a consumer level, that's going to be different, because um, they're not hand picking necessarily the mediums um, for their inks and their papers or canvassing and all that stuff um, to ensure that it's it's of the highest quality. And so yeah. if any, any of you guys are listening and you're like, oh, I'm going to call my lab and see what they're using. I mean, it's a good conversation, but if it's a pro lab, they're using, uh, you know, pro material and, and I wouldn't lose sleep over that. Right. So the moral of the story is use a pro lab that caters to photographers as opposed mm -hmm. to a, a consumer, you know, option. Um, so Amy... I wanted to uh -huh. um, check in with you. I know that marketing is your superpower. So how have things changed for you in terms of marketing right now in the middle of the pandemic and or how are they the same? Oh, wow. That's a big question. 
Um, I would just say that a lot has changed right now because all of our presence um, with our businesses and with other photographers has now moved to an online presence only. So I feel like suddenly clients are paying more attention to the stuff that you're doing online. Whereas normally, you know, you would have lots of interactions in person. You'd see people out and about and it's switched to all online. So it's a really big change. So now I felt like more than ever, our personal lives have been under scrutiny. Not like we've done anything wrong, but it's just Mm. like, you know, people are watching. Everyone is always online, always on Facebook and, you know, picking apart things you said. So I would just say with our marketing efforts, we're just trying to be really conscious to be like all inclusive, make sure everybody is like feeling like they're getting their needs met with like the amount of attention given to different things and stuff. So, um, but the other side of it too is with COVID, we don't know how much can we really be advertising? How much are we supposed to be working? You know, what is acceptable and what is safe? And we just want to, you know, so many new things to think about with, with marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So do you have like three or four new things that you're exploring? You know, maybe there hasn't been time to have them uh, bear fruit yet, but uh, in addition to, you know, what's natural, which is Facebook ads, building an email, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that. Do you have some ideas that you're working on that are getting you in the community? What's your plan? Yeah. So one of the things Amy and I have really been talking about is, is going back to the root of what marketing is. And, and the root of marketing is understanding the needs of your market. And then based off of that, you can then run a promotion or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so um, we've kind of gone back to saying we need to try and be as consistent with our content in terms of having something every day or every other day or a couple times a week, being consistent with how often, you know, we're creating content and then also paying attention to what people interact with, because what may have caught someone's eye before Um, may not be what's catching their eye now. And so I I see so many times in photography communities, and so does Amy, that, you know, everyone's looking for this one, like, great marketing promotion. And they're just like, hey, I just need something to just get, get my, you know, feet off the ground sort of thing. And then you look at their interaction, and they haven't posted anything for like three weeks. And it's like, well, you know, it's just going to be lost, you know, because you don't know what your followers are going to be looking for. And they're not watching you. They're not, <laughs> they're not engaging. Yeah. There's no yeah. one to talk to. Um, and then they, they wonder why the, the promotion failed. And, it, and it's because there was no consistency behind mm-hmm. it. So one thing I've really been trying to do a lot of that is different than before is that like years ago, I would just post on our social media, like digital image after digital image. And now I'm trying to be really intentional on our um, page for our portrait business, the Guild Gallery, that I just post um, lots of videos. I'm making videos of the session and then when we go and install the wall art on their wall in their home. And so just um, I've been trying to incorporate more video, which has been really well received. We've gotten some bookings from that. And um, also just doing a lot more Facebook lives and videos in general, I feel like has been a new addition to our business mm-hmm. <laughs> in the past mm-hmm. few months. So are you doing anything in the real world then, or is it all social media that you're focused on for the next six months? Unfortunately, in our county, we're, we are in and out of a phase that we can, we can do things publicly. And then they're like, no, you can't. Okay. Now you can, now you can. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. we, 
given the the COVID cli- you know climate where we're at specifically is kind of uh, I don't know as the wind blows <laughs> and right. so we're we have a lot of great ideas in the hopper mm-hmm. but you know like as of today we can't technically be like promoting and just having a train full of people come through our business because right. we are not in the correct part of a phase right. um, and so. We just start trying to navigate um, the reality of that um, and being wise with, with those things. And then just basically, just like I said, having a hopper full of ideas that when we do get a green light, even if it's for a short amount of time, mm-hmm. um, we'll just say, let's, let's go, let's do it. And, um, and so that's why Amy mentioned just video content because it doesn't, we can still put content out there and, and, and all of those things. But in mm-hmm. terms of a, an actual promotion, we, those are the ones we kind of have to just wait. So I, I look at it as a game of momentum mm. and just saying, let's gain as much momentum with, um, you know, not just our brand, but also the desire for family portraiture or, you know, high school seniors or business portraits, whatever it is. Um, and, uh, and so that that way, when the momentum is coming, then all of a sudden, boom, we can, we can throw a promotion out there and it doesn't flop. Um, mm-hmm. and so my encouragement to photographers out there that are in a similar kind of uh, world that we're living is don't stop marketing, keep mm. creating momentum, and then just be ready when your phase changes or your opportunities to be able to do something changes. Right, right. So some things that um, people are trying or doing in the real world, I didn't say the sort of in-person world, but outside of the social media land is getting in touch, starting to build networking communities with people in your niche in an online way, you know, reaching out to like, if you were, or I were wedding photographers, finding vendors, talking to other um, like florists and say, who do you recommend? And like one of my coaching clients and friends, um, Jenny Edwards, I think episode 10, she talks about this, is she created a circle of friends with my, um, that was an idea I had years before. And so she has monthly meetings with a group of, of people in the wedding industry and she used to do it in person. Now they do it virtually and it's still very active and they're still able to support and refer each other. And then another thing, um, people are doing is calling up the charity events or Charity events, ways that you have marketed in the past, doing gift certificates? Yes, in the past. Yes. Yeah, well, pre, pre-COVID, I guess, yeah. in, right. that, in that yes. sense. Yeah, that's we, what we I mean. We do quite a, quite a few of them. Yeah. Yes. So calling up those people and saying, I, are you doing any fundraising things virtually now? Or could we do a fundraiser where we sell our gift certificates for donations. So still using the internet ultimately, but doing it through one-on-one and affiliate and connections with people. So those are just to throw that out to you and the listeners. Those are some, um, some other ways that people are kind of using what we've done before, but in a virtual way, because the telephone still works and emails still work and people who, you know, companies, nonprofits that have big mailing lists, so if they send out a, a fundraising promotion three or four times with a link for people to buy a $500 gift certificate for $100, you know, I think those, those are things that you can be in hot pursuit of to get that like direct client through the door. Now, 
you do have to be able to be a good salesperson when you're doing gift certificates, right? You know, not just give away stuff and then cross your fingers. So who's the king or queen of sales? Or do you do your sales together? Tell us about your process. Oh no, we do not do them together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am no part of it actually. Yeah, ah. that, that's, that's my, yeah, that's my arena for sure. In fact, that's probably one of my more cup filling, you know, we, you talk about things, Hey, what do you love about what you do? I love the process of, you know, building value and, and creating an experience and, um, seeing, you know, the authentic tears on the other side that it's like, man, we did it, you know, home run. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that, yeah, no, I, that's, that's my world. I, I love it. Yeah. So tell me about the process. Um, so, um, I, I look at it, we call it kind of a, an experience, I guess, another sub word for, for process there. Um, so our, our clients, we, I always have a mentality of you're only as good as your last at bat. And so with each client, um, I, I know that and say, hey, I'm going to just pretend the value is zero and I have to prove it to you that there's value in what's about to happen and what you will be receiving. And so when they first come through, it's probably through a phone call um, or email or something like that. And I have a two minute phone rule, <laughs> phone call rule. And so um, for, for our wonderful uh, office rock stars, they know to, to just get them on the phone to literally get them to a planning meeting. That's, mm. that's the number one goal. Now, are they, um, you know, not answering questions? Of course, they're answering all the questions, um, but then they immediately say, but you need to sit down with Tavis and plan your portrait session. Mm -hmm. and, um, and what that does is, is it immediately, you know, sets us apart um, in our studio part because um, a lot of people, they'll talk on the phone for 20, 30 minutes, um, you know, talking about all the details of the session. And, that, and Lucy, I don't know about you, but I've never been on the phone with someone that could build enough value with a stranger you can build enough value where they would give you thousands of dollars over the phone. Um, you know, I, I've personally never been in that position. Now, would I give someone hundreds of dollars, you know, over the phone? Maybe if, if I knew a lot about it and the process and kind of knew them. But when you get to a certain point, you can only build so much value over the phone. And so um, from there, we go to that planning meeting and uh, and we plan everything what to wear location um, all that good stuff we do price conditioning we talk about product we talk about their home where in their home it's going to go all that good stuff mm -hmm. and then um, we even do a, a so you're calling it a planning session uh, which to me implies they've already booked you but it doesn't sound like that's that's what it is so do do you first get them booked before you plan all, everything or you know, no. Yeah. So, yeah. So a part of that, that planning session is understanding, you know, so if they don't know us from Adam and for some reason, if our brands never touched their world and, and they just are, was just found us on Google or whatever, um, then what's going to happen is, is, is I, you know, again, I'm not going to have them give any investment, you know, over the phone to start anything off. I'm, I need to prove it. Mm -hmm. And so during that planning meeting, I have that in mind. We're, we're picking dates and all this stuff before they give me any money. Oh. And then at the end of the meeting, I give them an opportunity to do an advanced purchase. Mm. So this is the first, um, you know, basically, uh, I call it um, kind of shake the grass a little bit in terms of what objections exist when it comes to price. Um, and so you can only really get 
the real objections if you ask for money. <laughs> and so yeah. you have to ask for money. And a lot of people, it's, it's the scariest objection to, to approach. And so I just say, hey, pull off the band-aid, do it right away. Um, and so I, I asked for an advanced purchase, you know, at that first meeting, and then I give them an option. I go, well, if you make an advanced purchase above, you know, a certain amount, um, I'll waive the sitting fee. But if you're, if you're not ready for that advanced purchase, then you can go ahead and just pay our sitting fee. Um, and so that gives them two options. And it gives me a great idea of if they're just paying the sitting fee, well, first of all, I at least got them to the part where they're excited about the experience and they're, they want to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not, that there's still some objections when it comes to, to budget that we have to figure out through the rest of the experience. But if they make an advanced purchase, then I already know, all right, we're on, they're on the train, we're going, we, we are, our um, visions are aligning. I'm coming alongside them with what they're wanting to accomplish. What would you do different if they just pay the session fee? Yeah, if they just pay the, the sitting fee, um, then I say, okay, that's great. But then it, it shows me that, because um, the next meeting, it shows me that maybe they don't know where to put wall art. Maybe they've never mm. done it. Maybe like they grew up with nothing on the walls. They've never experienced it. So it's something new. And, and so there's, uh, you know, they, you need to say, hey, it's okay because others are doing this and it's being mm. done. And it's, it's a, okay to have this decor item in your home. Um, and so that's the, the actually the next meeting is great segue, Lucy, <laughs> is um, I do a go-see. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. I do a go-see where I go to their home and I say, hey, you know, I, it'll take five minutes and, uh, you know, I'll photograph the walls for you where you're thinking. And, and I go in quite honestly, if you don't know, you know, where to put things, that's okay. I'll help you with, you know, when you're, when you build a custom home, the architect literally has focal points, you know, when they like, whether it's a wall or a fireplace or a view, you know, a bay of windows, whatever it is. And we want to play off the, the architect's focal points with the most important decor item that will be in their home. And so we talk about that. We talk about, you know, where things are going and, and Lucy, what happens and it, it, when you you know, so we're basically three meetings in, if you count the phone conversation, is all of a sudden they're realizing they didn't just hire a air quote photographer. They have a portrait artist that is also helping them, you know, do design and decoration in their home. And so what's what's going on in their head is, is man, when my mom comes over, she's going to look at this place and it's going to look like I have my crap together. You know, when my sisters <laughs> and friends come over, they're going to be like, dang, yeah. who did you hire? Right? Right, and, right. And so all of a sudden the value, right? Cause I remember I start everyone at zero. All of a sudden mm -hmm. the value is now going higher. You get into furniture pricing and stuff you know, mm -hmm. at that point. And so those are things that I do, you know, and I do it whether they make an advanced purchase or not, but usually that helps if they were just doing the sitting fee, then mm -hmm. they really start to catch the vision. And um, because for, for us that are doing this every, every day as you know, on the artist side of things, um, we have to remember that our clients, this may be the first time they've ever done it. And so we have to go back to square one and explain to them, you know, what to expect, what to experience. And we have to fill in those blanks because it's those blanks that will come up as ugly objections um, when you get to the final meetings. <laughs> right. So when you collect an advanced purchase, is there a benefit to them for that? Is it, do they get a bonus uh, purchase credit or anything? Yeah, I do it a couple different ways. So they first, I waive the sitting fee. So they get 100% of what they're investing is going towards what's going on the wall and or an album. Um, and so there's no 
like money just to reserve the date. It's all going towards the artwork. And so they love that. Um, and so that's the first advantage. Um, anything that's over 2000, then I begin to match it uh, to 10%. And so I give them an additional 10% when they come as print credit to come in. So for easy math, you know, 2000, they'd walk out with $2,200 uh, to put towards their, their wall art. So at what point do you waive the sitting fee? How much advanced purchase do they need to make? To waive the sitting, uh, I say at least a at least a thousand, um, and so that that usually gets because right before we talk about that, we're doing some price conditioning with um, what's on the wall, and I'm and I'm mentioning numbers that are you know like you know five thousand, seventeen thousand, you know I'm I'm pointing at some pretty nice pieces, and so when I say one thousand, it gives them again I I got to remember that people have maybe never gone through this experience. It's a very approachable, you know, number. But then I'm also saying, and you can also invest, you know, five thousand, ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars as an advanced purchase, and I'll match ten percent of that. And so, because I just pointed to a portrait that, you know, is valued at seventeen thousand, and so if they if they love that portrait, they're already there, right? Right. And so, um, and so I again, when they walk in my studio, I don't know where they're at in life, um, and I want to meet them where they're at. And that's just a good way to do it because, you know, can I afford to, you know, buy a 17,000 portrait, you know, just off of a whim? No, it's something I'd have to work towards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but the, but for them, it may be like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Pocket change. You know, I bought, <laughs> yeah. I just bought a, a, a basketball card off eBay for that same yeah. price, you know. I have a story about that. Um, my first really big sale uh, was $20,000 and I'd already worked for this family I did their wedding and I did um, a business event where I created a beautiful leather craftsman book uh, for this party. So, and she never quibbled about money. And so then I did her first grandchild and did a lot of portraits with that. And she is always just like, oh, I want this and total it up. Tell me how much it is. So like, great. And you know, she's always going to pay it. So I totaled it up and it was $20,000. And this was mm-hmm. at a time when I was half or less. So, you know, it was a lot. Like my average sale at the time was probably a thousand for children. This is going back. And I sat with that number for two weeks until I could say, oh yeah, Sharon, um, I totaled it up and it, it totaled up to 20. And I would do it in the mirror, <laughs> you know, yeah, my heart yeah. would beat. So then I made the call and I said, hey, how are you? How are the grandkids? Blah, blah, blah. So I did the, you know, I totaled it up and it came to 20 and she said, oh, okay, you want all of it now or half? And so then we worked that out. And then she said, I'm so excited. I'm flying to uh, New York to uh, buy a piece of art from Pablo Picasso's daughter. And then I'm going to have, I don't know, Yves Saint Laurent design a dress for me. And I was so happy that I didn't throw in a discount out of fear. Because <laughs> when I felt stupid, <laughs> She's spending yeah. ten grand, a hundred grand on a weekend for totally unimportant things. So yeah, so yeah, meeting people where they are and and uh, having the courage to have a seventeen thousand dollar product and know there are people who will easily pay that. I love that about you guys. Okay, so in the sales room. So I love, gosh, it's so clear. I'm yeah. sure the listeners are like, yeah, wow, way to create a value through, you know, the step-by-step process. So now you're in the sales room, you've done this amazing session. Uh, Tell us any hot tips or how you conduct that. (laughs) 
Well, so what's funny is a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on the IPS meeting or the, or that final sales uh, meeting. If, so this is kind of my philosophy is if I did a really good job with, with the client, with the planning meeting, with the meeting at their home, and mm-hmm. then even during the session, because that's a big part of the experience too. Sure. Um, then, then that meeting is almost totally scripted. It's you, you're sitting down, you already know the wall. You already know pretty much the portrait you created was created for that wall. You already know the size. They already have an idea of the budget. And it's kind of just, you know, imagine just going through a shopping cart and you're just helping them pull stuff off the shelf. Mm. Um, and so that's that's a good indicator. Um, if, if we're doing our job really well on the front side with the education and setting expectations and then um, making sure that they know what they're going to get and, and the value and all the correlation there, then at that that meeting where we're doing the, the sales side of it, it's more of an order fulfillment meeting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you're just fulfilling what you've already, you know, um, uh, ordered from that. Standpoint. Right. So you're taking a little different than what I do, which I totally love what you do, that it's, it's really commissioned art approach where the sales 90% is up front. Um, I imagine extra orders, things for family, possible add-ons, you know, you're welcome to sell them those, but it sounds like the bulk of the work is done before you get in the sales room. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, at that point, yeah, like I, like I said, you're just helping them finish the design, if you will. And, uh, and then the final, you know, step is, is really, and a lot of people skip this one. I'm not sure why, but, but doing the installation um, yourself. And, and when I say that, I mean, you, if you're not a handy person, hire a handyman, but that's kind of like the, the reveal, right? That's the, hey, this is like you go to a museum and you pull off the red velvet, you know, like that's what it should be like for for the client. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's that's so very important to make sure that you finish it well, because what's funny is, and I can't tell you how many times this has happened, I'll be doing the installation and finishing it up and they come in and we're like, you know, giving each other a side hug, looking at the, the art piece. And then they're pointing to another wall they want to have portraits on. Mm. So, so the next part of the process is already beginning, wow. even though it may be two years, you know, down the road, but you've done such a great job with, with what you're trying to accomplish core wise in a client's home to be able to do that. And so in that place to my overall approach of is I never try to do the one hit wonder, you know, try and squeeze, you know, uh, someone for, for all their worth. Instead, I look at their value as our relationship as a whole, like as, you know, so if we know each other and I, and I become kind of part of the family for the next 30 years, you know, that account may be worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars versus Mm -hmm. just trying to get as much as I can out of, you know, one thing. And that, that comes back to, you know, they may be in their forever home when you first meet them. And so you need to have a plan and an approach for the next 10 years of doing portraits with their family. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It, it's so fun, you know, been in business a little bit longer than you. And I've started doing the weddings of the, of the children that were first communions or newborns. Um, oh, cool. And one family in particular that has six kids, I've done all their first communions. Uh, five of their senior portraits, three family portraits, one wedding. Um, I'm creating an album for one of the brides who got married in Switzerland. And, and the mom was good with paying me big piles of money to go over there, but she couldn't, <laughs> she couldn't talk her husband and the bride and groom into paying for that. So I helped them find a photographer and 
I'm creating the book and, and the wall portraits with my editing style. Um, and we're both really happy with that because I get to still um, support them because I know what they like. So yeah, that, that is, you know, this is a potentially a career for, for a lifetime and beyond, you know, you might have your, now you have a little boy, you have two kids. How many kids? Yep, we've got two kids. Two kids. Yeah. Lincoln's five and Jovi, our daughter is three. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I've only met Lincoln. So stinking mm-hmm. cute, but you know, they might take over the family business. Who knows? I, yeah. I yeah. have friends that are second and third generation. So you're building something that is not just uh, for today, which I love that. So Amy, are there yeah. are there things that you do in the marketing that begin that um, process of building the value before Tavis gets his uh, his magic ways uh, sitting down with them? Oh yeah, the consultation. Definitely. So how do you do that? I was just thinking about that because Tavis is so good at what he does in the sales room, but I feel like so much of it goes on behind the scenes. Like, like you said, getting things set up for that. And so if there are other husband and wife teams out there, just know that although your spouse may be good at one thing, it takes both of you sometimes, you know, to get the the job done because it all starts with what their first contact point is our website. So I've designed our website, making it, I, I read the book, building a story brand. So then it, I tried to center it around that of just, um, you know, keeping it simple and talking about what's in it for them, not just talking about us. So it starts, you know, with the website, that's all me. So I would say my strong point is, like you said, marketing and just interacting with the client, getting them in the door. And then once we get the leads and get the people, that's when Tavis takes over. So there's a lot that Tavis does, but there's a lot that I do behind the scenes too, which is why I think we make such a great team. Yeah. Because if you if you had like a, a really, I like the word janky sometimes, <laughs> a really janky website where you look cheap and you lo- use language like photos and misspellings and the pictures are not done nicely and, you know, you looked cheap or amateur and then you're trying to uh, get them to buy a $17,000, you know, or whatever is right for them. Portrait, it's, it's incongruent. So what I right. hear is that you you begin the process with everything you do in terms of the marketing and their first contact with you. And I love uh, the consistency with your online presence, the videos, your personalities, everything that you do in advance to attract them. Then, you know, the master salesperson takes over and it's, it's just this seamless journey. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it too, a lot of what I contribute is like the design element of things and Mm. just having such a professional storefront, both online and in person. So when we we just remodeled our building and when we're making decisions about how to decorate, you know, there are lots of options out there with all remodeling, but we decided to go with really nice, real hardwood flooring, which was a big expense, but we both agreed that, um, you know, in our clients' homes, they probably have nice flooring too. And our clients are noticing these things. So all that to say, I, I'm trying to keep the same experience throughout with everything that we do. And so one way that I've been able to add to that experience too, is I think with the design and what some clients are noticing, you know, about our brand and about our building and everything like that. Yeah. If people who are listening have known Ken Whitmire and, um, you know, that you've been around a while long enough to learn from him, but you don't know this, Tavis and Amy took over and remodeled their studio, Ken's studio. Mm-hmm. 
And I always loved your studio before, but the pictures of what you've done in his space is just amazing. So you, I love that you're really carrying on his legacy, but in your own way, you're not, yeah. you're not uh, mm -hmm. keeping the, I can't remember if there was paneling on the wall, but you know, it had a very, uh, a very woodsy masculine feeling to it. And if people go to your website and see, it's very fresh and light contemporary, even with that, but the good stuff. So yeah, I, it makes me so happy to know that that space Good. is still being used to, to provide such quality in your community in Washington. So, mm -hmm. well, I know you guys have to run and um, gosh, it's been fun to chit chat. And I, Tavis and Amy are partly responsible for me uh, saying yes to this podcast because, <laughs> yeah, because at WPPI year and four months ago, Amy told me, oh yeah, this group, we're going to meet for coffee. I saw her at the little lunch thing, right? And mm -hmm. I went there and asked a few people, should I do a podcast? And I think you guys just said, absolutely. And a couple other people told me yes and told me why. So yeah, thanks for being the one of the chorus of voices that told me I should be doing this because I love it. Good. Yes. Yeah. And I loved having you on the show. So how should people get in touch with you if they want to find out more about your canvassing? printing canvassing yeah if they go to guildcanvas.com um, all the info is on there and if they're interested in learning more about the process if they click to become a client they can through that website um you know or read all about it or watch our videos um on there and if uh if they're a professional photographer and and uh wanting to dig a little deeper with some education pieces and then also more about the canvassing you can uh join our guild canvas club facebook group and um, we, you know, obviously there's a, there's a natural theme of canvassing of topic of discussion, but we are all business owners, you know, trying mm -hmm. to build successful studios. Um, and so, yeah, there's just a lot of great education and really full of a, a lot of amazing photographers. I, I truly love that. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so if you could say one last, uh, before you have to have to jump off. One last thing you want to be sure that people take away from this conversation, what would it be? Well, so one thing that came to mind, and since you've, you've, uh, you know, brought up Ken Whitmire quite a few times, uh, one of the, one of the things, I guess, lessons I learned that helped me and, and really it's a combination of him and his wife, Vi, was, was understanding just how truly young our photography industry is mm. and how what we have, we've inherited from the painters who had it for thousands of years and what they had, they inherited from the sculptors and so on and so forth. And, you know, we're at this, what, Lucy, 160 years uh, mm -hmm. photography-wise. Um, I think that we, we should really pay attention to those that have gone ahead of us. And, um, and I just think that when we have that, that student's heart, I think that our industry is just going to be absolutely amazing, continue to be amazing. Um, if we just pay attention to those that have already, you know, gone before us. And so, I love it. um, I'll just, I'll, I'll just leave it, you know, with that. It was something that, that Ken talked a lot about. His wife did this wonderful, um, class on the, the history of, of a lot of that art and uh, that that just is always going through my head constantly mm -hmm. as we're making decisions in our studio and with our art stuff. I love it. Amy, do you have any last word? 
I mean, I think Tavis said it great. We are all always becoming better photographers. And if you're listening to this podcast, I think you're already doing it of just trying to learn more and grow your craft and, you know, get new tips from different people because we're always all learning. So I think if we ever come to a point where we say, okay, we've arrived, then we failed because we are all growing. We're all learning. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you guys so much. It, um, you know, we can't see each other in person for a little while. So this gave me a little bit of a a boost from from the guilds you know been friends and fans of yours for a while now and so um thanks for saying yes to this i appreciate you guys yeah thank thanks you for, for having us yes uh, honor is ours thank you well that was fun um <laughs> if i'm not able to get to conventions and other in-person things i may run out of friends for podcast interviews but for now <laughs> i love that i get to chat with people um who I've formed connections with at live events, which when it comes back around, I highly recommend you join. As you know, if you've listened, you join associations, you attend things, you make friends, you network. Um, It's one of the treasures of this industry, especially in the portrait and wedding world. So here are some quick wrap up. Oh, but before I do, remember to go to lucydumascoaching.com slash mastermind. Click on the link to set up a quick chat about joining the group. It is starting in September. Once I hit 20 people, which I already have several signups, then it will be closed. Uh, so if you're listening in September, even October, there may be a spot for you. Um, but there's some bonuses uh, that you'll have if you sign up soon. So do that. Um, so here's a quick wrap up. I, we talked about canvassing and the difference between stripped canvas and we'll call it the inkjet or jaclay canvas. And the difference is the stripped starts with a real photograph. The backing is peeled off the back. You probably didn't know, maybe you did, <laughs> that there's real can or that there's paper on the back of a photograph. And then it's glued and heat sealed to a natural fabric canvas that painters paint on. Uh, The digital is sprayed on with inkjet um, in general. And also within the inkjet slash G-Clay, there's the consumer quality, which has potential to fade, to rip, to stretch out. And um, so you want, whatever you do, you want to go with a professional lab that serves professional photographers. I especially appreciate working with ones like um, Mid-South Color Lab and Guild that serve the industry where you have to have a business license and you have to be um, geared up to be a professional photographer. So um, I like when you can't get prices unless you are a member because anyway, I like that. So we're talking about how things have changed and what they are doing is paying more attention and up leveling their online marketing. They're paying attention both in their uh, individual and in their business, Facebook and other things to how they are showing up. They are doing consistent content. They're doing videos. They're installing wall art and recording that and posting that everywhere. Um, they're paying attention to what people are interested in and interacting with Petrofus Tavis or Amy said, it's a game of gaining momentum and creating desire. 
And they said, don't stop, be consistent, keep marketing and be poised and ready because when things turn around or when work starts coming to you, you know, you're, it's like working out at the gym. You know, if you're going to try to run fast, you need to train. So keep going for it. Then we talked about sales and Tavis talked about the value of building, the value of building the value, <laughs> getting to the point where client has tears in their eyes. He creates an experience and it starts, they have a quick phone call and schedule a consultation where then he uh, begins to plan the session and go into detail, plan the clothing, the location, all of that. And then when he gets them really excited, he gives them an opportunity to do an advanced purchase and um, there are bonuses if they do. Now they do a what he calls a go-see where he goes to their home to continue the planning. And um, that's a, something, if you've been to a, a Whitmire conference, you go home with a tape measure because when he has us go into homes with a tape measure, we measure the wall space and we hold the end that is the number one and our client holds the big end, you know, where the numbers go up. And then when you stretch it out together to a point where the portrait looks about the right size, he has the client tell you the number. So if you stretch it out and then you go, okay, so what's the number there? That looks about right. We'll say, well, it's 50. So then you say, Sat. so somewhere portrait that's like around 40, 50 inches would be perfect here, right? You say, right, and then you know, you're on your way to selling a 50-inch print or more. Um, he also talked about the value of uh, having everything so pre-visualized that the sales room is almost an order taker experience with the way that they do it. Um, and then the final step is that they install the art themselves. And sometimes then they start talking about other walls and other places and setting up for future work. Um, he mentioned not to be a one-hit wonder, but to look uh, for how to create a long term relationship with your clients. And then Amy shared that her marketing is actually the beginning of helping clients understand the value of what they do. Even the choice of flooring in their newly designed studio. And I've heard about StoryBrand uh, over and over again that it's this really brilliant new book or program to help people have very effective websites. And from what I've seen, I, I agree with a lot of it, that the goal is to get them to pick up the phone, not to get all the information in the world that they need, but to get excited and get in touch with you. And then um, the last little piece de resistance was Tavis talking about how photography is young as an art. And we have inherited much from painters. And the painters inherited a lot from, I don't know, sculptures, cave painters. I'm not sure. But art uh, principles are and design are, what I say? They're not new. But when we can learn from that and lean into those and then speak to those when we're working with clients and elevates our, our, our client's idea of what we do and, and our idea of what we do. What we do is precious, priceless, valuable, you know, not just speaking to portrait photographers, but all photographers creating value with what we do. So get out there and, you know, celebrate what you contribute to the world or what you intend to as your business grows. Get in touch with me to find out more about um, 
marketing group or one-on-one -on -one coaching or anything else. And I will chat with you next time. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.